The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. The award-winning podcast that's never won an award. Downloaded and listened to around the world. Join the conversation on our social media. An educational experience that'll make you laugh. You're listening to Just Some Podcast. And here's your host, Ben and Tom. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, man, how was your week? Well, I'd like <laughs> to not complain, but, but that's kind of my thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, overall, it, it's been pretty good. If if we're going to be real, a little disappointed in myself, trying the whole keto diet and damn rep brought in cookies. And I had half of one, and that led to the half of another one. And I stopped there, but still. Uh, that's better than me, because I would not have stopped there. It would have been, <laughs> and uh, you know what? I've already had one. Uh, I might as well have another couple more. Yeah, my shame spiral begins. <laughs> it's, like I said, I try not to be too angry, and I know I can bounce back, but it's still, it's just frustrating. That's one of the downsides of keto is you have too many carbs, you come out of ketosis, bam, you just Go ahead and hit the reset button and start that process again. So, but like other than that, sketch, just <laughs> yes, the etch a sketch of life just shook the <laughs> fuck out of me. So that's uh, that's what's going on. But honestly, uh, it's been a better couple of days this week than it yeah. has been last week on uh, the flu front. So I'm sure I just jinx myself. I'm sure tomorrow I'm going to get hammered. <laughs> yeah, that probably wasn't good. And yeah, actually, you know, knock on some wood here. Uh, yeah, mine actually has been better too. Of course, in this area, we're seeing nice 60-degree weather, so maybe that's helping get some of this sickness out the area. Oh, you mean the fact that nice weather means people don't want to spend it in a doctor's office, so they stop coming? Hey, that works, too. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, at this point, I really don't care. If I could just hand people money at the door to make them go away, I would, but... You know, I don't it, think that's going to be a successful business model, though. I don't recommend that. No, it's not. And, you know, the sad part is, is I really do want to help everybody. But at the same time, when you bring your six-year-old in because he's, air quotes, dying, and he is laughing, giggling, playing with his uh, sister and, you know, playing on an iPad, I really am having trouble with the whole, you know, air quotes, dying part. So that's the part that it just. Just over it, just ready for it to be done. But overall, you know, pretty good. You know, since we talked last week, any uh, change on your insurance front there, Tom? No, it still sucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Making making arrangements to have the damage fixed, but oh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait. This whole owning a house thing—it's the American dream. Yeah, it is. Well, before we get too much further, Tom, I know that you wanted to give a special set. Words are hard. I can't even talk. 
I know that you wanted to give a special shout out to someone. I sure do. Let me go ahead and preface this for that's all right, everybody. Turn your lights down low. Even if you're driving, just turn them off. <laughs> See what happens. It's it's amazing. You got to set the mood. This is a uh, midnight Absolutely. DJ time. Melvin, Tom. Exactly. A little uh, Venus flytrap. And if you know who that is, you're awesome. So I got some feedback from our gout episode, which honestly, I've got a lot of feedback on. And the crazy part is, and I know I'm going on a side rant, but the crazy part of all the feedback is 99% of it is non-healthcare professionals that are like, oh my God, that was so funny and terrible. I was like, I know, gout sucks. <laughs> so, so back to Midnight DJ. Back to Midnight DJ. So I got some feedback from a listener. And he said him and his wife were laying in bed listening to us and they couldn't stop laughing. And then he said, I felt kind of weird because I was just listening to two guys while I was laying in bed, but it was pretty cool. So just went with it. I was like, right on. That's cool. So <clears throat> hold on here. Got to got to be prepared. Yeah. Matt, Kendra, while you're listening to the sexy, smooth voice of Ben and Tom, I just want you to know you're in our hearts and sometimes near our groins and we and we want you to feel as special as you make us feel thank you for reaching out to us and letting us know how we touched you from all of us at jsb thank you there you go see i, I hope that worked <laughs> i think that's gonna work great <laughs> And now for the rest of it, back to our regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> yes, and now back to regular programming. <laughs> but no, honestly, we do love when people tell us they listen to the show. I've heard several people. Apparently, we were on at the local EMS barn because somebody was like, whoa, you're, you're, that's something about a new job. You leaving? I was like, no, I just took another job on. So <laughs> we're getting listeners all over the place. Matter of fact, as we put on our social media, we, have exceeded our bandwidth, so we're kind of in this, as I've as I've uh, described it, kind of this awkward teenage phase of the podcast. Like we're outgrowing our current network, but we still don't have many sponsors or income coming in, so we're not really an adult podcast. We're kind of in this weird teenage juxtaposition of the podcast. I almost would say we're tweeners, tweeners, which is better than tweakers. Well, I mean. They both suck to deal with, so I mean, I guess it would, yeah. which one is really that much worse. Fair point, fair point. And just a little shout out to all of our uh, paramedic listeners out there. I just want to say thank you for all of your hard work and sacrifice. And from the Just Some Podcast family, we really appreciate it. But on behalf of myself, Ben and Sam and Kyle and Jason and everybody else, get a job where you don't get paid to sleep, you lazy bums. <laughs> thank you very much. So there you go. I I just want to make sure they knew what uh what how we felt, you know, here. I appreciate here. that. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure they're going to appreciate that too. And shout out to Christine. I'm looking at you, girl. So <laughs> there you go. She's got a real job now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. I didn't hear nothing. But since I did talk about a social media, Tom. You know what time it is. I do know what time it is. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all at just some podcast. Find us on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com. Email us. Tell us, hey, I sleep for a living. 
admin at justsomepodcast.com. You can also catch us on the Helium Radio Network Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, 8 Central. That's on Helium After Dark. Tom, what else can they do? Well, first of all, while they're sitting around doing nothing in their EMS barns, offices, or couches, they can go ahead and just give us some ratings and reviews on any of those social media sites. Reach out, let us know how we're doing. Then while you're shopping, because you're certainly not on any runs, you can go ahead and go to our website, go to the bottom of the page, click on that Amazon affiliate link, and then go shopping. I know you girls like panties. Go ahead and buy some of those while you're on that link. And then... You can help us out by making sure those proceeds go to us. We appreciate it. It's free to you, and it's quick and easy. So quick and easy, much like your job, paramedics. So, well, I should have just limited to paramedics. Hello, EMS. Easy job. So, you know, EMS, earn money while sleeping. You guys. So, oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait for this. The the backlash is going to be swift and just, and I can't wait for a good verbal fight. Yeah, it will be. It's it's all right. It's all in good all in good jest. They know. I would say, if at this point they're listening to us, they've heard us talk before. They know we love them, and I would do anything for any of our uh, first responders, brothers and sisters. So I wouldn't say it if I didn't uh, love them, or I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it, because you guys are getting paid to sleep. But other than that, super happy you guys are out there uh, working and protecting us with our police and firefighter brothers and sisters. So thank you. Exactly. But on that note, Tom, let's jump into... Stories that you may have missed. Regale me with your tales, good sir. So there's a reason I don't usually tell Tom the story unless he finds one. Because I want his natural live reaction, very similar to kind of the reaction that I'm hoping that a lot of you will have when you're listening to this. Tom, there was an article. So I'm pulling this off of live science, but it's actually from the BMJ case reports over in across the pond, as they would say. Tom, you look like you want to say something. Go ahead. I was going to say BMJ probably stands for British Medical Journal. Just throwing that out there for all our uh, United Kingdom fans. There was a woman in Spain, Tom, who developed a serious allergic reaction after a sexual encounter. Have you ever heard anyone being allergic to sex? Just all the women I've dated. Boom. Or married. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not forget that one. Yeah. So they had a 31-year-old woman broke out in hives and had some vomiting and difficulty breathing after engaging in oral sex with a significant other. Hold on. Vomiting and trouble breathing sounds like every time I've had oral sex. I don't know what is going on here. So I shouldn't say every time I've had oral sex. Every time (laughs) a woman has had oral sex with me. No, I have been fine. So, damn it, that joke's all messed up now. Go ahead, keep that flub in, but, yeah, I'm just saying. Damn it. She was diagnosed with anaphylaxis, which, as we know, is a whole-body allergic reaction that can be life-threatening. She reports that she's not taking any medications, no unusual foods, but come to find out that her partner was on amoxicillin for an ear infection. And then come to find out she had a penicillin allergy. So they're saying that this is the possible first reported case of anaphylaxis possibly triggered by amoxicillin in a partner's semen. And women around the world rejoiced at yet another reason to get out of sex. Only if you're taking amoxicillin and they have a documented allergy. That's a hell of a way to find out, (laughs) by the way. It is. I mean, that would probably scar this woman. Uh, She was scheduled for a follow-up appointment. She did not show up for the follow-up appointment, so they could not definitively confirm this is the reason. But they are reporting that it is a... It it does... Words are hard still. (laughs) 
Although it appears that this is the most likely cause. So, Tom, fellatio, amoxicillin, anaphylaxis. Sounds like a really good grunge band. <laughs> Welcome to the stage. <laughs> fellatio, amoxicillin, <laughs> anaphylaxis. Yeah. Oh, we just but, created a whole new subgroup of music. Yeah, we did. But yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting, so I thought I wanted to share that with you and with our uh, listeners because, you know, it was... That's a story they probably missed. Then it was about fellatio, so <laughs> always a good time. <laughs> I was, I was going to say so many things to that. And if you have not heard the comedian Jimmy Carr, he has a new special on Netflix, and you like jokes about fellatio, you should probably listen to that guy. He's pretty funny. Well, we'll have to check that out. Just flying right along here. You want to jump into our main topic tonight? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess. I would like to point out. So let's. Okay. So here it is. Tonight's episode is on kidney stones or nephrolithiasis. (laughs) Or, you know what? Before we get started, go ahead and break down that word for us because I know you were itching. You talked about doing this before the show. I went out and I looked this up to make sure that I was correct. So nephro is from the Greek. Meaning kidney. Shocker. Right. Yeah. yeah. Lithiasis is from the Greek word that I believe means prickly little bastard that's going to tear your ureters apart. And honestly, I think that is that's pretty much the literal Greek translation. Yeah, I think if so. we could have one of our uh, followers in Greece, go ahead and email us and let us know if we have that one completely correct. And you know what the funny part is? If we do get that email, it's going to be like, you know, we don't just use those terms like every day right like that's ancient greek that's not like new origin greek or something eh, you know it's all good but i still want him to write us so i could be like thanks buddy so anyways yeah so i i realized ben when we yes. were talking about the show and blah 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 that thing we do before the show um so far we've done two topics on extreme pain and two topics i have suffered from what no. Yes, I'm starting to notice a pattern. Let's see. So gout. Yes, you've had that numerous times. Yeah. Nephrolithiasis or kidney stones. I believe you yes. had it at least once. Yes. Just once, thank Just- God. I can tell you to the day and minute. I'm not going to say it on the air, but I- I'm telling you right now, I remember the day, the minute. It's like a day that will live in infamy within my kidneys. Like, it's not... Mm. Perhaps we're bringing these up because, well, number one, I kind of have picked the last few episodes. And number two, I think the audience enjoys hearing you talk about your pain. So, you know. Great. So is the next episode going to be on borderline alcoholism and maybe daddy issues? (laughs) I believe we covered the alcohol episode already. (laughs) Uh, daddy issues, we can we can see what we can come up with. I, I think that's more of a chick thing, but you know, I just yeah. thought it's other. Yeah. So next episode is why does your butt cramp when you watch too much television, Tom? I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't know what what's going on here. <laughs> I do love games of Th- Game of Thrones, though. So I mean, you know, that's happened. These episodes so, are oddly specific. <laughs> yes, exactly. Why is it Tom cries a lot at movies? Hey, what is that topic for? So, anyways, uh, yeah. So Ben and so I'm understanding. You have never had any of these conditions. 
that is correct, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've never had gout. So after listening to the whole uh, rubber mallet against you know, smashing my foot, um, I thought hard a little bit today, and I'm like, um, is, is, is this the gout? <laughs> is Luckily, this the gout? <laughs> and I've never had a kidney stone. Taking care of a lot of people with it. Based on that, I don't ever want one. But, yeah, I'm a uh, gout and kidney stone virgin. Well, for those of you that are in Ben's seat and have never had a kidney stone, let me try and give you a brief summary of that day. It was a cold and crisp fall day, and I just started dating the young lady that ended up uh, regretting her life decisions and marrying me. And we both worked night shift, and I had got home, and this is how it started, Ben. It, it didn't start with extreme pain, believe it or not. I it, that was never that was never my first symptom. I lived alone in this apartment, and I was like, I just laid down, got all comfy, and then what happened? Oh man, I felt like I had to go pee. Okay, happened. Yeah, yeah, it happens like every time someone just ever got comfortable on a cold day. Yeah. So I'm like, damn it. So I get out from under the blankets, and I walk into my bathroom. And I stand there and nothing happens. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I had this weird sensation in my back. Like, I had, because this is when I used to work out all the time. I was like, man, did I pull a muscle? Like, what happened there? It wasn't really painful. Just kind of, uh, you knew something was there. No pee. So I turn around and. Did you look a little time and think, are you broken? No, no. It was just like, huh, false alarm. It was more <laughs> like that. So I turned around and I walked about two steps and then it felt like my right flank was doing that scene from Aliens where that thing punches out of his chest. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much exactly what I was thinking. Actually, my my very first thought was something inexpl- something has exploded in me. I didn't. I, I this was way before I was a nurse. Right. I had no idea about anything. I was young, and so the thought of a kidney stone, let alone gout, had never crossed my mind. And I literally collapsed on the floor in the worst pain of my life and thought I was going to die. Like, I literally, that was my thought. It was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Like, it was that bad. So you felt like something, like, burst inside of you, right? I mean, is that kind of what you're describing? I, I, no, maybe. I The pain was so intense. I couldn't tell if something was coming in or going out. <laughs> but it, it, it it's, it's definitely like this. Like, I do remember my entire right flank and side of my abdomen was cramping so hard. Like, I could literally feel like that whole side of my body, like, moving me. Like, it was, it was terrible. Okay. And so just to give you, ironically, since we were just making fun of EMS, I was seriously trying to crawl to my phone. To call 911. Like, I thought I was dying. Like, it was that bad. I did get to my phone and realized, okay, you're still breathing. You're probably not going to die. You know, I mean, I wasn't a nurse, but I was a cop. I dealt with some scenes where people had died. I was like, okay, you're not dead yet, so you're probably not going to die. Because <laughs> it took it took a couple minutes. So I knew an ex-girlfriend of mine lived in the building next to me. And I knew my new girlfriend was already asleep. And so I called my ex-girlfriend who is a very sweet person. Thank you very much to this day, Brandy. And I said, hey, I will never ask a favor of you again, but I really need to go to the emergency room. And so she took me out there, which I still to say, I'm like, wow, fantastic. Have you ever asked for another favor since? No. Okay. I have, You're good to your work. Yeah, I've never asked her for anything else. I've been friendly. We still have social media accounts where we interact, but no, never asked her for anything. 
end up at the emergency room where, let me explain this, some hospitals have registration people that have no medical training. Some hospitals I've been in, we actually keep a nurse or a paramedic out front to be the first person you meet with. And I understand why now, because I was white as a sheet of paper, completely diaphoretic. Like I literally, there was a puddle on the desk from where I was That's holding on for, yes, it was, where I was holding on for dear life to keep myself from collapsing on the floor. It, literally a puddle was on the desk and the lady was like do you have your driver's license <laughs> and only thing i remember that she's asking the important questions <laughs> yes do you have an insurance card yeah thank you lady i remember turning to brandy who was still there to make sure i got checked in safely because she could tell obviously something was wrong and i said just give her my whole damn wallet just hand it to her and they triage me immediately sell you know, the condition I was in took me immediately back to a room, started IVs, blah, blah, blah. I knew the doctor from previous incidents and she just walked in and said, oh my God, walked right back out of the room. <laughs> that's gotta be, that's gotta feel reassuring to you. Yeah. Th- super reassuring. Got my first CT, which by the way, up until that point, I did not realize IV contrast made you feel like you were going to piss your pants. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The guy leaned over and said, just so you know, Tom, you're going to feel like you're going to pee your pants, but you're not. And I'm like, whatever. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm pissing my pants. <laughs> yep. So. No, exactly. I'm feeling like that is the craziest. And it's like you want to like reach down and go, I didn't piss, did I? Like, it's odd. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's extremely odd. So uh, to make a extremely long story short, urology comes in. They gave me pain medications, and we'll talk about this later on, but nothing opiate based just some toradol which now i look back i'm like man that was cheap but it actually worked like i didn't feel like i was gonna die anymore they took me to surgery and which was an ordeal within itself because the urologist kept saying well what do you want done i'm like aren't you the medical professional shouldn't you be telling me what we're gonna do and he literally and i will never forget this looked at me shrugged his shoulder and was like well you know i was like no i don't know why don't you tell me so i want to birth it and name it <laughs> yes and you know the doctor and i will tell you off air and i was like did he seriously just say that to me so anyways they took me back to surgery which that part was cool again no medical experience but they were playing like acdc in the surgical suite i was like that's pretty awesome they strapped me onto this table that looked like the lethal injection table that wasn't so awesome the scrub nurse was like, you need to scoot down, sir. And I'm wearing a gown, you know, with nothing on. And I'm like, okay, so I scoot my butt forwards like three inches. And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, so I scoot a little more. Finally, she took her hand, just smacked the end of the seat. And she was like, put your butt right here. And I remember looking at her and saying, lady, I don't have underwear on. We're about to be really good friends. <laughs> and so I scooted down there and just put the, the bait and tackle right in front of her, her schnoz. That was fun. Then I found out what propofol was because the anesthesiologist comes in and is like, I see the stuff that looks like milk. And I'm like, that doesn't look like it should be going in there. Are you killing me, lady? And she's like, don't you worry. You not. Bam. That's it. Yeah. And then I wake up. I wake up to find some of my friends uh, that worked in the hospital there. And I talked to them for several minutes, uh, which was a shock because I didn't realize, again, no medical training, that they were going to intubate me. So I woke up, my throat's all sore. I'm like, what is going on? So some of the girls I know, and some of them were just girlfriends of guys I knew. So like I knew them, but I didn't know them, know them. Right. And uh, they're, they're staying around in the PACU. And I'm like, man, it is really cold back. And I'm still kind of coming out from an- anesthesia. And I looked down and my gown is completely off. I am sitting Indian style in this bed, butt naked, talking to like four chicks. <laughs> 
And literally the only thing I could think of was to say something. And I looked up <laughs> and the the one girl's name was Jen. I looked her right in the eye. I said, he's a grower, not a shower. Don't judge me. And then just started sipping my ice water. And, uh, hashtag. Yeah. So, so just so you guys know, that's the type of thing that happens. Like, that's what it feels like to be that person. Like, you feel like you're going to die nurses that you barely know are randomly walking by go oh my god are you okay and i'm like no i feel like there's a baby alien in me and then let's just go over this real quick the aftercare uh and we're going to talk about stents because what ended up happening is basically when they did the ct they found out it was not just a regular stone that it had become lodged in my ureter and it was backflowing into my kidney and that's what was the big problem there and so th- for some reason this was the debate with the urologist was it could just pass but probably won't and i was like well then let's rock and roll and get this thing out of me man like what are we waiting around for so urto i'm oh urs is the name of the procedure urethroscopy where the at where where is she at yeah i don't know so basically they shoved a camera they dilated my ur my urethra and they shoved a camera up there to try and grab the stone that was lodged in my ureter. That sounds fun. So we get done with the procedure. They they uh, wake me up. And by the way, the urologist is like, oh, by the way, uh, we weren't able to get the stone. So I was like, what the hell did we just do all this for? And he's like, oh, by the way, you have a stent in you, which also I had no clue about. And he says, you're going to come back in a couple of days and we'll remove the stent. And I look down and there's a wire <laughs> hanging out of my penis and then wrapped around the end of my penis like a little, uh, you know, like in the old Westerns when they corral the horses and they wrap that the yeah. bridle yeah. thing around the... Yep, yeah, that's basically what was going on with steel wire around my crank. <laughs> and let me explain to you this. This is the best <clears throat> episode ever, as much you know. <laughs> yeah, for you, this is like, it's like minor PTSD reliving this. <laughs> November is still makes me freak out. Every year when it hits November, I'm like, oh God, not this again. Let me explain uh, waking up in the morning. You know how guys, ladies, gentlemen out there, you know, sometimes uh, guys wake up in a certain condition. Hashtag morning wood. Exactly. Uh, that's extremely painful when there's a steel wire wrapped around you. That will end an erection in a hurry. So time goes by or I call the office. This is this is a little little hint for you, Ben, about how maybe I had it a little worse than some people because they said, uh, we talked to the doctor. Your stent's not ready to come out. I was like, he said seven days. They said, yeah, but due to the extreme dilation, that's the term <laughs> I got told. <laughs> the extreme dilation, he feels like it would be better for you to leave it in a little while longer. So I had a stent for 12 days. Nice. Which is longer than you're supposed to. Yeah. Extreme dilation. Extreme dilation. And then it ends with going in. He said, just meet me at the ER. Okay, so I mean, he takes me back to an exam room and he starts trying to make small talk with me. And I literally put up my hands. I said, no offense, doc, but I don't want to talk to you. I'm preparing for the worst moment of my life. And he kind of just nodded me like, okay, so all right. So uh, I undo the little bit of wire. I remember he grabbed a paper towel and put it like between me and my junk. Like I didn't know what was there. Like it was going to be like a three year old in a magic show. (laughs) Like, Like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. And then he just said, um. Oh, yeah, these words. He's I was like, uh, go ahead and take a deep breath. And I was like, for what? And then he just yanked like he was pole starting a mower and pulled the stent out of me. Uh, so you got, you, and then you got crank started. Is that what you're saying? 
Oh, yes. And let me let me tell you a little something. So for you that have never had a stent that your patient is going to go through when you have the stent in and the first several times you urinate with the stent the entire time and the first couple times you urinate post stent removal, it is painful because the little detressor muscles that we don't think about along your ureter that close to create to stop backflow can't close. But they're trying to, aren't they? Oh, they're they're trying, but you're going to get a little bit of uh, urine backflowing up into your kidneys every time you piss with that stent in. And let me tell you, it's like a junior varsity baseball team whacking you in the ribs on the affected side every time you piss. I, I had to get real zen every time I had to go pee because I knew what was going to happen. Imagine that every time you pissed, Mike Tyson punched you in your ribs. I'll tell you right now, you... You start paying attention to how much fluid intake you get real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. And then, um, no, no, it's fine. And then, honestly, uh, about the first two, three times post-stent removal, it feels like you are pissing razor blades from your kidney down to the end of your uh, your urethra. And, yeah, yeah. So just be aware that is some of the stuff your patient's going to go through. So when you're like, ah, it's just a stent removal. Let me tell you something, Chucko. That stuff hurts, okay? So for all my practitioners that are out there listening, remember, your patient, the pain doesn't stop during the kidney stone or immediately after. Like, there are, it's like a earthquake. There's aftershocks, okay? And that stent, if he gets one or she gets one, is an aftershock, and they're going to have to deal with it. So the reason I told that story is because I know some of you have never dealt with it. Or maybe your just interaction is that small piece of the kidney stone diagnosis, you know, puzzle, but it's an ordeal. Like it lasts a while. Your patient is going to be suffering and dealing with this the entire time. And I just want you guys to know it completely sucks. Keep that in mind. Well, on that note, Tom, thanks for telling us the story and reliving your uh, PTSD and, you know, November rain and all that. I know. I've now got to go sit in the shower and cry. So, Finkel and Einhorn. <laughs> Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. So let's get back to some of the details since I've just bored. At least half the crowd is asleep. Wake up, Mom. I know you can still hear me. So I was just, and for those that are new listeners, I just always assume the only listener I have is my mother. So that's why I always reference her. So that's the joke. Get with it. So let's talk about some of the things. So, like, first of all, there's not just one type of stone, Ben. Really? Okay. So what we're going to talk about real quick is some of the different types of stones. There are primarily four types of stones. I shouldn't say primarily. There's four types of stones. (laughs) The first one and the most prevalent, approximately 80% of all stones are calcium stones, and it's exactly what it sounds like. There's two types of calcium that make up these stones. Either of these stones would be either a calcium oxalate stone or a calcium phosphate stone. The calcium oxalate is the most common. And guess what? It's from too much calcium in your urine. Shocker. I know. Who would have guessed? Second one is a uric acid stone. This can make up 5 to five to 10% of stones. And guess what? Uric acid. Does that sound familiar? Oh, that does. Gout. Hey, what? Yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, so you have those. The next type of stone is 10% of these stones are called struvite or infection stones. This is, God, this is terrible. These are commonly due to chronic urinary tract infection. So if you didn't already have enough crap in your life from having chronic UTI, 
Now you're now getting you're, stones from yeah, it. You can add on to it, yeah. Yeah, and while I knew about some of this stuff, it was pretty awesome in research. I found out that this is actually because the bacteria that's causing the UTIs is changing the pH balance of your urine and creating an environment that the stones form in. Magnesium, ammonium, ammonium phosphate is the struvite type stones, and they form in the alkaline, and obviously the infection ones form in the acidic. These are, <laughs> this is the description. Hmm. This will make you sit at home and feel fuzzy. These stones are often large with branches, and they grow, often grow very fast. Yeah. That does not sound fun to pass at all. No. And as a matter of fact, I'm assuming that this is one of the type of stones that you may not. I've also heard them called staghorn stones, where it becomes so large and it forms to the inside of your kidney that they have to actually go in and remove it from your kidney. Like, it's not going to pass. Right. Which, as terrible as that day was for me... If they had said, Tom, we're going to cut you open, cut open your kidney and pull out the stone, I'd have been like, you know what? Why don't you just kill me? <laughs> that, sounds, that, sounds, that sounds pretty terrible. And the last type of stones are cysteine stones, which are formed by an abundance of the cysteine amino acid. It comes from certain types of food. Here's the crappy part. Okay, so most of these other stones are formed by conditions that we can control, at least to an extent. Right. Uh, the UTI one's a little more terrible, but... The cysteine stone comes from an inherited metabolic disorder where the kidneys do not reabsorb cysteine from the urine. And these stones often start to form in childhood. They go unnoticed until they are so large or the body tries to pass them. And that is just like, geez, dad, thanks for that genetic gift. I wasn't already bald and fat, but now you gave me a kidney stone. That'd make you really happy. Tom, I'm going to assume since there are several different types of stones, that's one of the main reasons that, particularly with that first stone, they recommend straining the urine and catching the stone so that they can take it to the lab and determine the makeup of the stone. Correct. Now, the recommendations I read, you are always trying to supposed to, you are always wanting to catch a stone okay. because, God forbid, you know, the next one is a struvite versus a calcium oxidate. Now we got, you know, two different issues we got to start dealing with. Fair enough. But yes. Any stone you want to catch, but in particular, if you can catch that first stone, which I was unable to, unable to, words are hard, even though I paid a large sum of money to a urologist and an anesthesiologist and an operating suite to go and get, I never had my stone. So I still can't understand to this day how that's possible. Like, where did it go? Did it just decide to go back up in? Are you telling me it went the other way? It went back to its home like the golf ball in Happy Gilmore? Like how there's not a lot of room in the ureter. Now, I'm not a urologist, but I'm sure we can get one of those uh, certified urology nurse practitioners back on here and they will tell us there isn't exactly a lot of wiggle room inside a ureter. So where did that stone go? Maybe it was so tiny, Tom, that you passed it and didn't realize it. I don't think so, Chucko. (laughs) I don't think that's how this works. But yes, that's why you want to know, because clearly if it's like, let's say it's a uric acid, you can take some precautions and change your diet, uh, maybe get some on some medications to help rid your body of uric acid. Bango, presto. Now you don't have to worry about uric acid stones or you do, but it's a much less likely chance. And I will tell you, I don't remember all the statistics, but I know the five year mark is one of the big marks. And if you have not had a repeat stone within five years, you dramatically start reducing your chances of developing those and i will tell you it has been well past five years for me yeah what i seen on that since you brought that up specifically rate of stone reoccurrence is 10 to 30 percent at three to five years and 
a higher reoccurrence rate of approximately 15% at one year, 35 to 40% at five years, and 50% at 10 years was found in another study and was always higher in men than women. So you're you're out of the the five years, but maybe not the 10 years, Tom. I No, actually I am. Well, no. In a couple months, I'll be okay. at my 10-year mark. Whew. But I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, though, to this day, if I get a twinge in my back, I, and it's, it's only happened twice that I seriously, but I actually looked at my wife, started pounding like incense, grabbing stuff to drink. And I was like, I need you to be on standby. Like, I feel like there might be one on deck. And <laughs> my, my dad has had these and same way, like any twinge, he's like cranberry juice, tons of fluids, just, yeah. Hoping and praying it's not another kidney stone. Yeah, it's one of those things. I've never been in front of a firing squad, but I'm sure, like, it's the medical equivalent. Obviously, you know you're not going to die, but you just look like, oh, God, here it comes. You know it's coming. There's nothing you could do about it. It's it's a pretty terrible feeling. So so since we talked about, like, some of the stones, do you want to... And I know I, I cover several of the symptoms. Do you want to give anybody any other symptoms that may have with kidney stones, Ben? Well, obviously, like you said, the flank pain, so the CVA tenderness. Generally, with patients, when I see them in the office, it's going to be we're looking for that hematuria, whether gross or microscopic, because you know sometimes they may not be able to see uh, the urine or the the yeah, words hard. Words are hard. <laughs> they may not be able to see the blood in their urine. Uh, if it's on a microscopic level, but we do check that. And of course, if the unilateral flank pain, you're looking more or thinking more kidney stone. If it's bilateral, I would lean more toward maybe a looking maybe a pilo as opposed to a kidney stone. And then sometimes you can get a plain film and see that, but other times you have to do other stuff. Traditionally, CT is the mechanism or the tool of choice to diagnose this. But I will tell you, like in my situation, that is not a readily available tool in the walk-in clinic. So KUBs become like one of your tools. And if it is a significant stone, you you will usually get a glimpse of it or a radiologist will at least be like, hey, I think you need to send these guys to a CT because there's uh, something on board. So that's use the tools available, I guess, is my biggest thing is no matter where you're at, if this is your suspicion, deal with it. This isn't something like, ah, Go home, drink some water, you'll be fine. No. If you if you have these suspicions your patient is having a kidney stone, do what you can to diagnose it. Yeah, and for providers that are maybe diagnosing this, the absence of hematuria in the setting of acute flank pain does not necessarily exclude kidney stone. There's one study that was done that hematuria was not detected in about 10 to 30% of patients with a kidney stone. So if they present with the symptoms and that yet they don't have the hematuria don't automatically go, well, then it's just not a kidney stone. You still need to be doing some further diagnostic studies. And like I said, with my story, I had no urine. Now, granted, if I had looked down and if it's microscopic, it's just going to be dark colored. And I probably wouldn't even notice because I was a dumb kid. If I saw bright red blood, I'd have probably been flipping out anyways. But I had none of those symptoms. I, I had... Everything literally up to the minute it happened was completely normal. So just remember, there are those zebras among the horses. So please pay attention. And if you do a CT, make sure that it's a non-contrast CT. That's generally what they recommend initially. Now, I'm sure with yours, it was probably a with and without since it was the ER. But you can't get yeah. with just a without 
contrast CT because uh, if you do it just with, you can potentially hide the stones that you're looking for. Yeah, and honestly, again, looking back, I'm sure that's what it was. Or the fact was, is like I said, there was not really any urine being made, and I was giving them symptoms of my entire body feels like it's dying. So they were probably just trying to be an ER. We're going to identify everything. And so you're right. If you're ordering it from the office and you have a likely suspicion, then you can order it however you want. But if you're one of those practitioners or PAs in the ER setting, you have to follow your uh, protocols. And if the protocol is with, without, then shoot it. And honestly, your patient at that point in time will not care. Okay. Like they don't give a shit. And if you are ordering the non-contrast CT, make sure that you specify stone protocol on that because that does generally, they do finer slices. So now that we've talked a little bit, and I'm not, part of the thing we talked about pre-production is we don't want to go over every little bit about kidney stones just because most of this is, like we said earlier, cut and dry. So order the CT, make sure you do your physical exam, check for CVA tenderness, Lack of fever, but nausea, pain, all that type of stuff. Those are those are some of the symptoms for helping with diagnosis. So what are some of the things that we know the types of stones and we know what we're looking for? So what are some of the causes and risks are the things that we should probably discuss next? All right, go ahead, sir. So one of the first things that honestly, I was like, wow, that seems like so much common sense, but it's explained in a lot of the, the, the literature is low urine volume. If they're just not making a lot of urine and you're getting a lot of concentration, especially if they're doing lots of hard working, like working out, or they work hard like they're in construction or in hot places, or they're just simply not drinking enough fluids, you're going to get low urine volume. And the more concentrated it is, that means the less uh, fluid to dissolve the minerals and salts that form kidney stones. So you're setting yourself up. So not only is hydration great for everything else, but it also helps prevent kidney stones. Some of the other things you need to be mindful of can be more common in individuals with diabetes, with obesity, with gout, as we discussed because of the uric acid stones, and hypertension. So those patients you need to be mindful of. The other thing that I found kind of interesting, Tom, excessive physical activity like marathon running can actually increase crystal urea and can possibly increase the risk for stones. So (laughs) if you're obese... You run a risk for stones, but if you're a marathon runner, you run an increased risk for stones also. So this gives me even less incentive to want to start working out or doing anything again, because (laughs) what's the hell the point? Like, I'm going to get a kidney stone being fat. I'm going to get a kidney stone for not being fat. Like, what really am I doing this for? (laughs) Like, what am I? I'm running to a kidney stone. (laughs) Running to a kidney. That sounds like a bad Lifetime movie. (laughs) Next on oxygen, she ran to a kidney stone. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. Now, one thing I did find, and this was a really interesting, and I'm going to explain wh- how this is from the Urology Health Organization. It's the official foundation of the American Urological Association. So if you wanted to look up, it, first of all, it was a great resource. I thought it was great. So bowel conditions. Have you heard of this? Because this was new to me. I've not heard this, no. So certain bowel conditions, I'm just going to read it right from, this is one of the few times on this podcast, I'm going to read it right from the website because I was just like, wow, that's pretty amazing. So certain bowel conditions that cause diarrhea, such as Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, or surgeries such as gastric bypass surgery, can raise the risk of forming calcium oxalate kidney stones. Diarrhea may result in loss of large amounts of fluid from the body, lowering urine volume. 
Your body may also absorb excessive oxalate from the intestines, resulting in more oxalate in your urine. Both low urine volume, there that is again, and high levels of urine oxalate can help cause calcium oxalate kidney stone formation. Wow. So you're shitting your brains out, having a terrible time, and now you have to worry about, am I forming a kidney stone too? But you know, the way that that explains it makes sense. If you're losing so much volume with patients, with kids in particular, you know, when we see them with like horrible diarrhea, we're concerned they're going to get dehydrated. Same with adults, although it takes a hell of a lot more. But it makes sense. If depleting all your volume through diarrhea, yeah, I, I I see the connection. Oh, I see it too. It's just... Wow, how horrible is that? By the way, you have Crohn's disease. Oh, and we're gonna you're we're, you're screwed in the back. We're gonna screw you up in the front too. Like God, yeah, might as well, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there, he just <laughs> you're getting you're getting hosed on both ends. So oh, that's just terrible. But it is one of those interesting things, and it's one of the things I like about doing the show. Is I was like, wow, that it makes complete sense. If I had thought about it, it probably would have never occurred to me but i mean i could understand it but i found out some new information so that was a that was a big win for me so we know the types of stones we know the symptoms the causes some diagnosis so ben what do we do about the kidney stone well if it's tom you just sit there and watch him kind of uh, roll around in pain and go <laughs> huh that sounds bad he, um, he he looks like a wounded animal just kind of wailing around <laughs> And that was one of the other things we didn't really talk about in signs and symptoms, but when I worked ER as a nurse, you could see these patients. They're the ones who cannot sit still because they hurt so bad in their back that they're just like, it's like they're doing that kidney stone shuffle. Like they just cannot find a comfortable place. And so, you know, we probably should have mentioned that in that part too. Well, I, I would say that. And honestly, like I said, for me, honestly, looking back, I probably looked like a heart attack patient. Like, like probably. I said, I was sweating. Like I was completely nauseous, just pale. Like, like I said, I know a nurse that she was literally just walking by the room. Didn't even recognize me at first. Just saw a patient there and stopped. Oh my God. And then she saw it was me. She was like, Oh my God. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's that bad. (laughs) So it's, it's one of those things. Like you said, I also think that's a lost art for people that aren't in ER and ICU and hell sometimes with those nurses and nurse practitioners in ERs and ICUs using your eyes, that experience and knowledge of what you're looking for. So yeah, the kidney stone shuffle or is not, it's not a lie. It's it's true. So some of the treatment you may use, and one of the things that I use when I work in ER, the first thing I usually go to is Toradol actually, or Katoralac is the other name for it. And I've been told, obviously it's an NSAID, so it's going to help with some pain. But there are some schools of thought that believe that it also helps to dilate the ureters to potentially help with passage of stones. Now, I have seen patients in ER that after I gave them the Tordal, they were great. Pain was de- like pain from like a 9 to like a 1, and even send them home afterwards. So I don't have anything specifically showing that it does help dilate the ureter, but that is what I've been been told and I said and I know there are some schools of thought that are out there Tom have you heard anything like that no I've never heard the dilation factor of it though guess if you give it IV and it's got the anti-inflammatory properties maybe that's part of the reasoning behind that I will say I've heard multiple times that Tordal is extremely good at helping visceral pain so maybe that's why they've chosen to go this route I will tell you again from experience I wouldn't say one 
<laughs> I wouldn't say one, but I would I would definitely say it's a three or four. Like I still knew I was in trouble, but it was definitely a manageable pain and compared to a 10, it was worth it. So I highly suggest the Toradol. And honestly, and maybe this is a cynic in me, but if you give someone some Toradol and they're just like, oh, no, man, that just doesn't work. It's just not enough. Maybe my uh, bullshit meter starts reading a little higher than that. And I'm not saying some people don't need more medication, but I will tell you that it is a very effective medication in general for kidney stone pain. So some of the other treatments is going to be obviously surgery. We've covered that in detail, so let's just not go down that road again. Shockwave lithotripsy, which is not something clearly you're going to do in any of the urgent settings. This is something that's going to be set up, and it's going to be a specialist. Just fired up in the ER. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go through the entire procedure, but basically they use shockwaves to try and break up kidney stones to make them smaller so that the patient is then able to pass them. However, it's not applicable to every type of stones. The extremely hard stones, such as the cysteine stones, and even some type or some types, my goodness, words are hard. Words are hard. Some types of the calcium oxalate and calcium phosphate stones may not be susceptible to the shock waves. It is also extremely painful. It could take several days to get over and blood in the urine and discomfort for a couple days, two to three days afterwards is not uncommon. So this isn't just like, oh yeah, you're going to send some water and they're going to gently rub your back and no, this is, this is a whole procedure. So you need to let them know about that. And the recommendation also is make sure they stop any NSAIDs three days prior to the shockwave lithotripsy to help minimize risk of bleeding. We talked about the URS. That's the procedure they did on me where they shoved the scope with a small basket-like device up your pee hole and try and grab something. And even if they don't, it's just going to cause you a lot of pain, a lot of money, and then you're going to get a wonderful stent to wear around inside your body for up to 12 days, apparently. So there's that. That sounds fun. Oh, yeah, super. One of the other, and this is probably one of the least common, it's in the surgical realm, is a percutaneous nephrolithotomy. Ugh. Uh, wow. Yeah, it even sounds terrible. Basically, yeah, right? they cut they cut a hole in your side. They take a, a large, hollow trocar-type device, and then they cut another hole inside your kidney, and then they just go in with a little grabby uh, thing right that way and pull it out kind of fish around in there yeah yeah except it's in the old kidney bean so that's probably got to be a little uncomfortable that almost sounds like one of those medieval treatments that we talked about on previous oh, episodes oh my god yeah nothing like that maybe maybe they could collapse your kidney for you and just stick some uh crystal balls in there and keep it from like inflating all the way jesus christ i still remember that episode while really fun especially the research part was really fun Ugh. Talking about some of that stuff. Right. Ooh. Dental key. I, I saw a picture of that again, and I was like, oh, my God. That thing in your mouth ripping something out. That's got to be fun. So, yeah. Mm. Maybe we'll have to do another one of those next Halloween. Terrible things to do to your body. Except these uh, we're doing on purpose because something terrible is already happening to your body, and it's called a kidney <laughs> stone. And outpatient, the other thing that you can do is start your patient on Flomax which will help to dilate things to get things to pass a little bit well easier as well. 
Yeah, the Flow Max is a really good one if it's a person with chronic kidney stones and they're like, look, I've been through this before. I know what this is. It'll pass in a little while. Make sure they're pounding fluids and give them the old Flow Max and see what happens next. You know, it's a little fun. It's fun for everybody. Give them the party hat, you know, the pee strainer and yeah. uh, just say go to town. That's what I say. I just, yeah, just go to town. See what just happens. Piss, just piss your little happy heart out. Yeah. Well, Tom, yeah. is there anything else you want to cover on nephrolithiasis? Uh, yeah, don't get them. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm so far. I'm good at that. <laughs> so <laughs> far, you're you're racking up a a hundred percent on that one. I don't know. I honestly, I mean, it was fun telling that story because it's funny now. I mean, it certainly wasn't funny at the time. Right. But I do think that far too often, and this includes myself, that we forget. We remember all the clinical data. Oh, you give them Flomax. Oh, you tell them to give them fluids. You, in our heads, it becomes this rote checklist of, oh, well, we're going to do a CT and blah, blah, blah. And right. The reason I told the story is, one, for Ben's amusement because he loves seeing me in pain. That. Yes. And two, uh, to remind you guys that your patient is a living, breathing person that is going through an ordeal. Now, it may not seem like an ordeal to you. Because, like, my brother-in-law gets chronic kidney stones, and I actually was his nurse one time in the emergency room. And, honestly, he was cool, calm, and collect. Like, he was like, hey, I know what's going on. You know, I've been through this. I started his IV. I did his fluids. We did the whole test. He's like, I understand. Let's just go go ahead and get it done. All right. And even though to the outside person you're thinking he clearly isn't in that much pain, no, he was. He was. And I know he was. And I just want you to understand, not you, Ben, the people that are listening. Thanks. Um, that doesn't include paramedics or EMS because they're asleep. They don't know what we're talking about anymore. But everybody else, I want you to remember that this is something that is not going away in their memory forever. And they're going to remember everything about that day or that ordeal. So you might want to choose how you treat your patients and how you want them to remember this. And just because they're cool, common collect on the outside doesn't mean that internally they're not freaking out. So treat everybody accordingly, I guess, is the end of the story. Well, Tom, to put a bow on this episode, there was one study that I seen, and I just want your, your take on this. It was a double-blind study for patients with renal colic. So they were randomly assigned to either receive intravenous morphine or endomethacin via rectal suppository. Whoa. <laughs> so wow i could already oh just just to give the uh, results morphine recipients reported more pain relief at 10 minutes but there was no significant difference between the two groups by 20 to 30 minutes so my question tom is if you're already dealing with a kidney stone what's your thoughts on little rectal suppository into medicine so Oh, and I know this is so hypocritical and someday I'm going to have to get a colonoscopy and stuff like that. But I'm telling you right now, Ben, I love you. You're like a brother to me. Love you. But if you came to me and said, I'm going to stick my finger up your ass to make you feel better. And I don't give a damn what is on the end of your finger, including an endomethacin suppository. If I am in that much pain and you're going to be like, no, I'm going to stick this up your butt and it'll make you feel better. The fight is on. I guarantee you, you're going to be fighting a naked dude in a in a hospital gown. It's not happening. Okay, you act like that's the first time I have fought somebody naked <laughs> in a hospital. Gown. 
well, it's going to be me this time, and it's going to be pissed off because I got a kidney stone. So I'm just saying I'm sure that's very great, and maybe in the outpatient setting that might be uh, I don't applicable. But I'll tell you right now, first of all, if I already have an IV in, and you're like, hey, I could give you IV morphine, or I could shove this up your butt, you might as well not even finish the rest of that sentence and just go with the IV morphine. That's my suggestion. If you're, like I said, in the outpatient setting, that might be something to say, hey, I can give you this to go home with. You're going to need to put on some candlelight, a little Barry White music, get in a mood, and then, you know, see what happens. But I'll tell you right now, yeah, just relax. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, though, it better, you- no, I'm anti, well, I'm pretty much anti-suppository in just about every case, except for like child fever and nausea. You know, those little guys can't help it, but right. grown ass adult, nah. Well, I put a nice little bow on this episode, so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. Find us on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com. You can email us. Admin at justsomepodcast.com. Tom, you ready to wrap this episode up, bud? Yeah, I sure am. We got to get Tom off the air and into the shower so he can sit in the corner and cry and listen to Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, <laughs> little arms of the angels. Maybe yes. watch a AASPCA commercial and just cry myself to sleep now. Remember that time that you had a kidney stone? Oh, uh, terrible. But beyond that, we got a lot of cool episodes coming up, Tom. We I'm do? Excited. Am I involved in them? Well, most of them. Okay. We're going to see how many other ways we can make Tom talk about pain than he's been in. Um, <laughs> you remember that one time you accidentally got hit by a car? Like, what? <laughs> how was that an episode? Maybe we'll cover testicle trauma on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometime uh, sometime after April, maybe we'll cover vasectomies. <laughs> but no, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. We've had people reach out to us and say, hey, we want to be on the show. There's some things that we're also doing, some kind of investigative reporting as well that may be coming out in the next few months. So lots of good stuff coming up. Make sure you continue to tune in on all your podcast listening devices. You can still find us on Helium Radio Network, on Helium Radio After Dark, Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. You look going to say something. No, I'm just sitting here living in pain already. <laughs> In the arms of an angel. (laughs) All right. Hey, let's get out of here. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let us know. If you didn't, hey, let us know that too. This has been, hope everybody has a great week. This is Tom. Everybody stay safe out there.